and let's get this show on the road. Yes, sir. Hello, and welcome to the Pain in the Techest podcast, your weekly audio source for things that are confusing and annoying about tech. I'm your host, Nick Sheevy. Hi, and I'm Jeff Trogio. And this week, we want to talk about one of the bigger things that was in the news regarding technology and kind of break down what all of it means and uh, what you can do to protect yourself and so forth and so on. And that is the Vault 7 dump that is being put out by WikiLeaks. So uh, last week, WikiLeaks released a massive pile of documents uh, relating to the CIA. But Jeff, why don't you tell us more about that? Um, So according to their press release, this is the uh, largest uh, publication of confidential documents on the CIA, um, codenamed Vault 7 by WikiLeaks. It's WikiLeaks. It's not called that by the CIA, obviously. Um, They are calling the, this is the first part of their series called Year Zero. Um, And being the first part would consist of suggesting that there's more to come. Uh, This comprises 8,761 documents and files um, from a high security network in the CIA in Langley, according to their uh, press release. Um, So it basically includes all of their information regarding regarding what sorts of malware viruses trojans zero day exploits malware um and all the documentation on how to use and exploits systems with these tools um so it's uh it's quite extensive um and it is it introduces the the scope and the direction of their of their global hacking program. Yeah, so one of the, I guess the biggest, um, would you say it's the, the biggest, or like the most concerning, I guess, to people, is the um, Samsung Smart TV's uh, hacking tool? Well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, because of, because of my job, um, it's maybe once a month you always hear of some old lady talking about how the how the the tv or the cable box is spying on her so you know cheers to that vindication at long last yes um right so the cia apparently has a tool that they call weeping angel because they have awesome names for their spy tools yes (laughs) um that would allow Samsung smart TVs. Uh, it's a particular series of smart TVs, the 8000 series, that was sold in 2013. Um, that would allow the hacker to put the TV into a fake off state, which would turn the screen off and make it appear as though the television is off, um, but the microphones could be left on, allowing for the uh, people in the room to be heard through the microphones in the television. Um, So a couple of things about this. It was 
not so the the CIA along with MI5 of the British uh, military intelligence uh, had a summit in 2014 in order to create and uh, establish this tool and they as of 2014 this hack could not be done over the internet uh, the only way to do it was uh, in person to have a USB connected to the um, to the television itself, either to a computer or with a USB flash drive. We aren't really sure of which of the two of those that it is. Um, but so it, you had to be in person, sitting in the room, connecting to the television. Uh, and this was on 11, 11, 11, 12, and 11, 16 versions of the operating system for this television. But the 11.18 version of the operating system for the TV patches all of these exploits. So, uh, if you have one of these TVs, make sure it's up to date, and you have nothing to worry about. Agreed. Um, the next um, kind of thing that they that they focused on was uh, Android phones, being that they are the most popular device uh for handsets, um, <clears throat> cellular, excuse me, cellular handsets in the world, being that there were billions, so they say, uh, sold last year, <clears throat> um, what they're doing is they're targeting uh, Android 4.0 ice cream sandwich from 2001. Um, 2011. And, um, excuse me, 2001, 2011, since ice cream sandwich did not exist then <laughs> um so this only applies to a little under one percent of devices in the entire world um unfortunately there have been s there's been some irresponsible reporting in the media and or willful or willful fear-mongering of course which um they are not dividing the subsets of android's operating system into their appropriate uh, areas. It's 4.0.x is ice cream sandwich, and they're saying 4.x, which includes um, jelly bean and I think two more, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was jelly bean was 4.2, 4. and 4.3, or it was 4.1, 4.2, and 4.3, and then okay. Kit Kat was 4.4. Right, Kit Kat was 4.4. Okay, so However, it is not that. It is only the 4.0.x, which would be only ice cream sandwich. So it is not 30% like they are suggesting because Google has already stated that most of the hacks that were on the leak as they've combed the document have already been patched. So there's no worry for you there unless you have um, a very ancient Android phone at this point. Um, it also... They're also saying that it kind of bypasses encryption, but a little bit misleading there. So while you're using programs like WhatsApp and Telegram and Signal, which are encrypted um, conversations, or, or can be if they're not if they're set up correctly, um, technically it is bypassing them, but it just shows them the screen that you're looking at so it kind of like second screens your screen rather than actually de-encrypting anything um so it's not really 
It's not really, they don't have the keys to the encryption program. It's more just creating a second screen um, with their uh, software that they're using. Right. So one of the things that I wanted to highlight was just that, you know, the way that this hack works, and I believe it's the same way on the iPhone, is that the attacker is able to see what's on the screen of the user. Um, and so that allows you to see whatever you're doing. I mean, anything that the user can see, the attacker can see. And that's obviously a, a, an awful thing. Um, and if you have a phone with Android 4.0, you should throw it in a river. And I would have told you that <laughs> before this leak came out. Um, so <laughs> there's that. Um, I mean, 1% of well over a billion is a lot. It's, it's not a small number because there's just so many Android phones out there. 1% does amount to, you know, 100,000 devices. But it's worth paying attention to the fact that that doesn't actually... It, more than likely, it doesn't apply to you. It certainly isn't 30% of devices. Um, and then with regards to Signal and WhatsApp and Telegram, like Jeff was saying, uh, we just want to emphasize that if you're using those apps, you are still in a better place than if you're using something like a regular SMS. You are definitely protecting yourself better. There's no... It's not that those apps by themselves are um, exploited by the CIA. If you use those apps on modern versions of iOS or Android, you more than likely aren't going to have any way of someone else seeing your messages. Right. Um, so that having been said... Uh, they the the WikiLeaks report says that um, iOS 8.2 uh, was affected by hacks uh, through the CIA. Now, obviously, the way that uh, Apple does things, they are able to keep uh, a lot more of their devices up to date. But there's also a cutoff. I mean, older devices, which are still being used. I mean, I'm pretty sure my sister has an original OG iPad that she uses. I mean, it is slow as molasses, but it still works. <laughs> um, and so, and it can't be updated to, uh, to iOS 10. So it, along with lots of other devices out there. Um, so that what they're saying is that about 79% of devices are on iOS 10. Those devices aren't affected by this, but there are about actually 5% of devices uh, that were made by Apple, uh, iOS devices, that is, that could be affected by this uh, because they run a version of iOS older than iOS 9. So I don't know how that stacks up uh, with regards to, you know, how, how many phones or devices that is when you compare 5% of iOS devices to 1% of Android devices. Um but well, it says in the article that it's 14% of the world share, whereas Android is 85% of world share. So I guess you could do a little bit of math there and figure it out. So it's definitely a lot less than 1% of Android, of course. Right. I mean, it's if you extrapolate that out, it's a, it's a far smaller number, um, but it's a, it's a bigger number of their pie, as it were. Right. Um, the other thing... Uh, 
as it relates to devices that are affected, uh, Mac OS and Linux and Windows 10, or excuse me, uh, versions of Windows um, are no, I mean, you see exploits of these operating systems all the time. I mean, it's there's a reason that Apple and uh, Microsoft and the folks that update Linux are constantly putting out patches. It's just so much code. It's impossible to have covered everything. And there's no such thing as perfect code. If someone tells you that they have perfect code, you run as fast as you can in the opposite direction because they're lying to you or they're dumb <laughs> and you don't want to be using that software in either case. This is this is these <clears throat> excuse me these types of things are the reasons why uh, the likes of Google and Microsoft and stuff they pay people when they find an ex and when they find an exploit you know that they want to close up their code and if somebody's going to find it for them and they didn't do it they want to pay somebody to do it because they've definitely combed through stuff. Yep. Um, and then there was one other thing that you wanted to cover uh, as far as what the 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 vault seven i mean there's a lot in there um but as far as the things that uh we we see as concerning i guess yeah so um one thing that i noticed that was interesting was um that they excuse me a number of it says in the uh release a number of the cia's electronic attack attack methods are designed for physical proximity so that's very interesting it's it's circa like uh some sort of video game from like metal gear solid or something like that where you <laughs> you 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 have the little earpiece in and you walk up with the little usb stick and you shove it in the machine you want to access and it gives you all the codes and you en enter all the passwords without even touching the thing and there you are you're you're accessing all this stuff but this these are specifically for um off-site i'm um, excuse me off internet databases so um intranetworks like uh police forces or other uh secure items that cannot be accessed via the internet um you know you have to physically get to a terminal on one of these devices and all you have to do is plug this usb stick in and sure enough it says right here uh, in the release that if somebody walks by you and the screen is open and you're pretending to type away, it'll show on on screen, it will show something like watching a video or presenting slides, playing a, a small computer game or something like that, just so people aren't, don't feel like there's something fishy going on, you know? So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like really something out of a movie. Wow. They thought of everything, didn't they? I guess. So, and this is the CIA um, breaking into police forces databases uh, domestically, or well, CIA is really only supposed to operate internationally. Um, so, I would assume that this is something regarding, you know, trying to access a database that we wouldn't have friendly forces available or something i see well that's um 
I don't know if that's necessarily something that we would need to be concerned about. I mean, it's almost something, a lot of this stuff, I mean, first of all, it's the CIA. I mean, these are things that you pretty much expect of them. Um, but not only that, it kind of just uh, confirms our suspicions that we've had. I mean, I, I'll tell you that the the TV thing definitely was a surprise. I think that maybe that's the reason that the shock value of the whole thing, it's just that it, you know, it's just like you said, it's like the movies, that they have the TV listening to you, and it like and like I said, it vindicates the crazy people that tell you that the, the cable box is listening to them. Right. Um, but again, it's... It, it, we knew that this these are things that the government was doing i mean that's we learned a lot about this uh through edward snowden's dump a couple years ago um i mean that's not to say that we're this is nothing to be concerned about um but it's not all that shocking i guess is what i want to say right and i guess you have to you have to understand that in order to have security like we want, you have to have some sort of somebody in the background doing some protection, I guess. So this is their form. They're combing all avenues that they that they have access to or maybe shouldn't have access to or whatever it is, but you know they're they're we hope trying to protect us more than do anything harmful to us of course right i mean like you said we are under the impression that the cia is working uh internationally as opposed to domestically so we like to think that these things are being used to fight you know uh spies or you know uh, terrorists abroad or whatever it may be and um Hopefully it's helpful to them, and it, like you said, it's their way of protecting us here at home. Right. Um, so one other thing that you can do, if you are concerned about your privacy and concerned about keeping your information safe, is not just protecting yourself from the CIA, who they have their own ways of getting into whatever it is that you they want to get into, but... Um, is to use good practices so far as passwords are concerned and so far as uh, the whole entry system to your systems are concerned. So, um, what kind of password system... What? How, how do you protect yourself, uh, Jeff? Well, it's funny you ask. Um... The, I think that since I've, since I've worked, you know, where I work now, we have, I don't even know, like five passwords I have to keep track of and they're constantly rolling. So you can't use, you know, three of the same letters in the next password next month. And it's, you know, 30 days long you get before you have to change it again. And then the other one's 60 days long. And then, you know, so you forget where you are half the time. Um, you just kind of you got to come up with a system, you know. Pick, <clears throat> pick a word. Um, this is this is what I do. As I I pick a word, and then I put it together using symbols and letters, 
and then that way next time you can change some of the letters to symbols and some of the you know so it, you're still changing it to to modify it within the rules of the the program um, but it's not so increasingly difficult to remember every single time um, in addition to have kind of like a bank in the back of your head of these are the different words that I want to use um, you know and try to make it not something that your best friend could guess because you know if they know you like cars don't say my password is cars1234 you know somebody's gonna know that you like cars and that's the first thing they're gonna punch in um, so these are these are the kind of things that like I think about when I'm ma making my passwords I have like a little bank in my in the back of my head I know where I'm gonna go with it and then of course when I have to rotate out um, passwords it just makes it a little bit easier on my end because in the end if you can't remember a password you're gonna get locked out and if you write it down there's no point in having a password yeah uh, working in my industry uh, that is to say I work in like the desktop support field right now and if I walk around and see somebody's desk with a post-it note with a password on it it, it makes me laugh but it also just makes me want to cry and lecture the person on like you said if you have it written down on a piece of paper sitting in front of your desk there's no point right um, you might as well you might as well just have password as your password yeah exactly and a lot of people do yep we the 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 security community uh lectures everyone year after year and says look you're all using one two three four five six seven eight. You're not clever. Um, you're all using the word password. You're not clever. You're not gonna like uh, use uh, um, reverse psychology to trick the hackers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? The brute force program isn't gonna come up with password first. Um. So just. First of all, when it comes to uh, making a password, like like Jeff said, make it something memorable, memor memorable to you. Excuse me, I can't talk apparently. <laughs> make it something memorable to you, um, but something like he said that other people can't guess. Um, so, the uh, one of the major ways that hackers will get into your system is not through like uh it's not through actually hacking quote unquote the thing that you see on um movies of like the string of the matrix going across the screen that's not a thing <laughs> um the major ways that they'll get your password is by asking you um so they'll send you an, they'll send you an email that looks like it's an email from Facebook but actually it's fake and they'll have you sign in using a link and it'll go to a website that looks like Facebook and then you'll try to sign in and it'll say okay thank you and that'll be the end of it it'll tell you okay we thank you for confirming your account you won't lose your access now because that's the kind of thing that they like to do. They make it seem like you have to do it, or else you'll lose your access to the service. 
Meanwhile, meanwhile, the next email you get is from Facebook saying, we will never send you an email asking you to log in to another site. Right, exactly. Um, so there's, it's that. They'll ask you directly what your password is. A lot of times, something I saw recently at work is they'll get into a coworker's email and then send that, that link. So then it's coming from someone that you trust, making it more, making you more susceptible to click on the link and go to the website and fill out the form. So what we saw recently was someone high up in a company, uh, their password was figured out, probably by he used he he likes cars and he made his password cars one two three four, <laughs> and then they were able to use his email account to send bulk emails to everyone else in the company saying, hey, uh, we have this new system that we need you to, fi- to, to sign up for. And when you clicked on the link, it went to a website that looked kind of like it might be an email website or something. It asks you to pick the service that you use. It had a choice between Yahoo, AOL, Google, and, uh, you know, whatever, something else, uh, exchange maybe. And um, then you would fill out what your email and password were. And then they had access to even more accounts. And they could send out more of these emails and continue to gather information. They can use those emails and passwords to sign into your other accounts. So that's the biggest um, threat to someone actually getting into your email account is not necessarily them seeing your emails, but them being able to use that email account that you use for everything to reset your passwords or get into your other accounts. Uh, and and plus, right, and well, I, I assume where you're going with this is then you're a trusted email account on other people's emails, so they're going to start seeing these messages from you and being like, oh, Jeff really needs some help with this, checking this site out. Well, exactly. So then they have more so- sources to send these emails from and get more information and sign into other people's bank accounts and so forth and so on. Um, so what, like I said, that's like Jeff said, uh, you want to use something that's not necessarily specific to you, um, so that it can't be, uh, so that it can't be what we call socially engineered. So just when it's something like Jeff likes cars and it's cars one, two, three, four, that's one of the things that hackers are going to think of first. They know things about you based on, you know, your Facebook, which is a lot of people post everything publicly. I know I do. Uh, so people would know if I made my password, you know, Android guy 57, it wouldn't take them <laughs> too long to figure it out, you know? Right. Um, but what you could do is go full insane like I do when it comes to passwords. Now, let me just tell you, what I do is super unnecessary, but I have seen what can happen if someone's passwords or email is compromised, and it's it is the burden of knowing the kind of thing. Just right. knowing what can happen makes you more paranoid, even though. It's still a very small percentage of people that get affected by these kinds of things. The ramifications of someone stealing your identity are so high that I'd rather just avoid it entirely. Um, I actually have two 
somewhat personal stories related to that. Um, I don't know if you're this crazy, but one of my friends picked his bank by how many numbers he could use as his pin. Interesting. And he requires eight. Eight. He requires eight digits. And what bank is that? By uh, uh, did, I never, know? I never asked because I don't <laughs> want to know. <laughs> he um, probably wouldn't tell you anyway. No, probably not. And uh, the other one was um, I knew somebody when I was a manager at a retail store who would come in, and uh, he would tell us his horror story of losing his identity. And this is, we're talking about going way back. We're talking about just after, actually just after 9-11. Um, he, so 2002, this was. Um, he was basically forced to work under the table because he couldn't get a job as himself because of what his person had had done even though it wasn't him that's awful it took seven years to clear his name finally so that he could actually get a job see that's that's the kind of stuff that scares the scares the socks off of you and makes you want to do things the way that i do them which is so get ready to make me sound like a cuckoo bird (laughs) so uh the first thing that I decided at some point was that I wanted to use a password manager. So the benefit of using a password manager, so these are things like 1Password or LastPass uh, Last or um, what is, there's a Keeper. Yep. These are all great services. I would highly recommend any of them um, because they they allow you to have a different password for everything. And in that way, if so, if one of your accounts does get compromised, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, every year we see different companies who have a massive data breach. Um, I mean, I, and it's unavoidable. So if you have the same password for everything and you have one email address that you use for everything then everything that you have is now accessible to these hackers. And then you have to go around and change your password for everything, which is a huge hassle. Right. Um, and, and, and most people, when they see these things come out, they'll say, eh, I'll be fine. I don't want to go change my password for everything. So, I mean, maybe I'll change it for a couple of important things, but whatever. Yep. Um, so that's the big, the big for the one, the, the, the most important thing really from my perspective is to have a different password for everything. I mean, like what Jeff does, I think it's, it's definitely good to at least have a variety of passwords that you use for your different stuff and maybe having like what I kind of have in my head. So there I have, obviously I have to have a password to unlock my password database. So my password to get into my password database is a long string of random numbers and letters. And do you I I actually it's kind of funny how I came up with that. Uh do you remember back in the day 
when CAPTCHA wasn't just a checkbox that t- you tell it that you're not a robot. And you had to, yeah, you had to enter the foolish thing. You couldn't even read the letters, and it would be yeah. like, enter what letter this is. Yeah, so this was back in the age of MySpace, okay, that I started using these passwords. I had the CAPTCHA, because I had gotten to a point for some reason with my MySpace where... I, my account had gotten hacked a number of times and they said you need to use a different password and I said I don't know what I want to use for my password so I used the CAPTCHA random numbers and letters as my password I just memorized a string of numbers and letters and that's what I did and I started and I started off by using the same thing for everything and when I realized that that wasn't a good idea in, in coordinates with getting into uh, position such as college where they make you change your password every six months. Right. I started to have to use different varieties of uh, letters and numbers. So, I mean, you can only go so far with changing which letter is capitalized or whatever, as you've, as I'm sure you've discovered. Yep. So you're going to have to switch over to a new set. And so then what I decided to do was have like tiers of my random numbers and letters passwords. So, like, the one that I had been using forever was, like, Tier 1, and then the one that I have used second most was Tier 2, and then the one that I have used little to none at all was Tier 3. Cool. And if it was, like, a super important thing, then I would use the Tier 3 password, and if it was something that I didn't care that much about, like Facebook, I would just use the Tier 1 password. <laughs> Uh, Even though you should probably what, change that to the tier five pattern. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually probably one of the most important ones, right? Um, but then, so now, so now though, using the pa- the password vault, I can have a different password for everything, and not just that, but they're twenty character passwords of numbers, letters, and special characters. And so the danger in that, I guess, is I don't have a clue what 97% of my passwords are for any of my accounts. Um, but the flip side of that is I have... So one day I was uh, at my last job and decided to take a look at my password vault. Mm-hmm. I had a great deal of passwords that I had to use for my job and in, in addition to the ones that I use personally. And... I feel like I'm adding a new account all the time, and they're not necessarily even new accounts. They're just accounts that I had never put into the vault yet. And you don't really realize how many accounts you have until you actually have them all in one place, and you have you can export it to a spreadsheet and see just how many passwords you have. I had I had excuse me I had over 200 accounts. Oh boy! In my password vault, and I'm sure it's more now. Uh, and I just can't imagine, like, if I had the same password for everything, and, you know, one of them gets hacked, having to go through and change the password on 200 accounts, apart from the fact that you're not going to want to do it, it's prohibitively difficult to actually cover everything. Right. And there, there is where the problem lies, uh, with the, with those types of things. I think um, I think also sorry to 
interrupt you there, but you're, you're I think the other thing is before, you know, before Facebook and before, um, you know, MySpace even and all this other stuff, there were forums, you know, so there's web forums. And if you look for my name, Guido T, you're going to find my name on somebody's on these forums. And some of them I don't really go to anymore. You forget that you have them. You forget you have them. And all of a sudden you're going to get an email, you know, 10 Same. years after you, after you visited saying somebody changed, you know, did you change your password on such and such? And you're like, excuse me, what? I actually got an email the other day about a data breach on a website that I, I don't even, I don't even recognize it. Like, it's not even that I don't remember it or that I'd forgotten that I had an account. I don't remember ever seeing it before in my life. And they were saying that my email had been found in this data dump. And I was like, well, shit. Uh, I don't even know how to get into this account. And uh, <laughs> it was using one of my... It was actually using a really old email address. Um, but I couldn't figure out what the password was. There was no password reset function. Um, but I don't use that email address anymore. So I decided that it's probably not that big of a deal. Right. I mean, the fact that I couldn't get into the account means that it wasn't a password that I use now anymore. Right. So I, I'm not too terribly worried about it. It's a little... It, it, there's a part of me that still... There's like a hole that it creates. <laughs> that's, that's burning inside. That it, it Just not having control of something that has my name on it is really scary. Yeah. I think... Um, and that happened, that happened to me when I was in Italy. Um... Um, a lot of people may know that I'm a, I'm a big gamer and so I, I have, I frequent steam, which is a, not only an online community, but where you buy, why you where you buy games and play games and so on. And, uh, we got home from a, a nice, nice evening and, uh, I get a message on my phone saying, um, this IP has tried to access your account. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I am in Italy right now. I do not have time for this nonsense. But, you know, that it's pretty pretty straightforward when you have two-factor authentication like we had talked about. Um, I think you talked about it last episode about having two-factor where it takes a little bit longer to do things, but definitely more security because you have to have the device that's registered on you. Um, so, you know, totally, totally was okay. Changed my password. No big deal. Um, but it's little things like that. You know, you're, you're like, Oh, what password was that? Are they going to guess another password that I have? That's the same thing or like, what's going on here? But again, I was just trying to log in. They, they didn't actually get the path. They didn't know the password, but, um, uh, okay. Just one so of those things. Someone attempted you know? to get into your account, but they couldn't. Yep. Gotcha. Well, and that, and that, and then you're hitting on the other thing that I wanted to hit on, which is, so in addition to the fact that I have all of these passwords in a in a lockbox um, that I have using one of my secure passwords uh, encrypting the the box, I also encrypt it additionally using a physical key. So I don't usually wear it around my neck anymore because I've decided that it makes me look too much like a nerd. 
<laughs> but I have in my bag that I carry with me everywhere I go a a flash drive that is shaped like a key that has a physical encryption file on it that without which I can't open my uh, my password vault. Oh. So in order for anyone to be able to get into, into that password vault, they need to have not just the thing that I know that could be guessed, but also this file, which in, in, in addition to just being a thing that you need to have to open the thing, it also is heavily encrypted so that it's very it's impossible to replicate. So if I right. lose it, I lose my access to all of those those passwords, but I would rather I don't have access to those passwords than someone else does. Right. So I I have it very heavily hidden. And I and like I said, so I I keep this file on the the actual vault. I keep it on my personal uh, cloud server, which I also have um, set up with two le- two factor authentication. So I have a I have my password, which is a different password than I use to encrypt the password vault. Um, and then See. I have to use a code on my phone to open the cloud account, and then I can get to the password vault, which is also a different password. <laughs> To open the vault, and then so you, you have the other physical so you, encryption so key. So you have you have sixteen factor authentication. Yes, <laughs> and it is so. Like I said in the beginning, it's so over the top. I know this, but it makes me feel better to know that it would be nearly impossible for someone else to get to my passwords. Right. Um, they so, might get step one, but they'll never get step through step 15 it's four (laughs) you need to relax and and on that bombshell (laughs) uh is there anything else that you need to add before we before no i I I think we can end on your on your (laughs) password excitement uh okay on that note uh I think it's time that we that we call it a day. Uh, thank you so much for enduring us once more this week. Um, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about this week, please reach out to us. Uh, we're always available on at Techus Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can reach out to me or Jeff personally. My my Twitter handle is uh, it's Shivi spelled phonetically, and mine is at Guido T forty two. Yep. And uh, then you can also email us at techuspodcast at gmail.com uh, or whatever. Just leave us feedback in a, a, a review on iTunes. Uh, you know, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Five stars is the only rating you're allowed to give us on iTunes. It will be rejected otherwise. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you very much once again for joining us this week. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Bye-bye.